we are still one morning away from waking up and having ASF here in the U.S. And you got to keep that in the back of your mind as you're looking. And there's some strong systems out there that can withstand it, but it would be devastating to the U.S. with what we came out of, what opportunity we have. Welcome to the Swinet Podcast Roundtable. This is a new series of episodes created by the Swinet Podcast and Provimi, where we'll have roundtables with experts of the global swine industry tackling subjects that can influence the producer's bottom line. Welcome to the Swinet Podcast Show. My name is Marcia Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. ProVME supports the podcast goal of helping pork producers improve their systems and businesses. Let's get back to the podcast. Hey everyone, today we have Mike Porth and Dave Bauer here with us. So uh, Mike, Dave, uh, welcome to the Swine Podcast show. Thank you. Look forward to being here. Good to be here. Thank you. Looking forward to this chat today. So I guess, Ma Mike, if you want to start just, you know, how, how you got involved in pig production and how has been your journey so far? Yes, thank you. Um, so I've, my story is I retired in July from 35 plus years in the corporate world with some great companies, DeKalb, Genetics, Slash, Monsanto, ConAgra, uh, Cargill and finished my career with Smithfield. And after retirement and leading into it, my goal was maybe to do some consulting. And a gentleman, Joe Kearns with Partners for Production Ag says, hey, we've got a role for you that I think you would add a lot of value to our team. And I tell people um, I probably work as many hours as I did before. But in the private sector, it's just been a lot of fun. Great people, great colleagues, and uh, we got some great deliverables. Thank you for asking. Amazing, amazing. Uh, so you reached that retirement uh, <laughs> point. Yes. Very cool. Um, Dave, how about you? Well, I, I got my start in pigs uh, in the mid-90s when I uh, joined forces with a team to run a farm marketing group at Packers Trading Company uh, at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. At that time, Packers was one of the larger traders of hogs uh, at the exchange, and that's where I gained a, a larger exposure to commercial hog production. Um, I remained in, in the risk business over the next 20 years, joining forces with Cargill 10 years ago to fold modeling into a risk advisory group where, where the pig flash model has transformed over the past few years from a risk tool used to create and manage uh, a hedgeable commodity portfolio into the current risk uh, or the current pig flash model that puts real-time economics to production and performance changes. Super cool. Yeah, that's that's a pretty cool model right there. And uh, Dave, uh, I guess if you look to the current market scenario, and, and the dynamics uh, that we, that are going through right now. What do you think is the good, the bad, and the ugly? Good question, and it's a big question, and there's no single answer, I think, for uh, for any one of those, but I'll offer some thoughts. And I'd say right now the good has to be uh, primarily the strong pork product market. Uh, cutout values today at $80 to $82 are above a seasonal range for this time of year, and I 
I think by now we're all fairly aware of the things that got us here, like better than anticipated balance of price and supply, uh, led by the fourth quarter hogs and pigs report that reflected a contraction to U.S. inventory. And at the same time, we've been able to ride a strong wave of demand that comes from both the, the domestic and the export markets. So prior to September, we thought we'd be overwhelmed with supply this fall. And just as this week's cold storage supplies were reported at 10-year lows, this all helps to create a, an available stock situation similar to what we're seeing in, in grains, actually. So as the bellwether to hog prices, wholesale pork trends signal a, a strong undertone to the value of U.S. pork on the global market. And with vaccines now being disseminated around the world, hopefully uh, domestic consumer trends could also be on the mend and, and help to further support meat protein trends. I'm optimistic that pork values at least into the first half or at least into the first half of 2021 will, will remain fairly supported. And, and the bad, I'll, I'll pick feed costs here, especially if, if a producer is light on coverage. Um, to close out 2020, feed costs had risen $14 or 23% over the past six months, the last six months of 2020. And since those year-end numbers and largely supported by USGA's January crop report, corn and meal rallies have increased feed costs by another $10 or 16% in just three weeks time. Uh, so for a total of $24 per head or 40% increase in feed costs since last August. And so for producers that have good coverage on, uh, and I know many do, this easily fits into the good category, but the concerns are that even with moderating weather trends in South America, uh, that the damage is done and we're already uh, talking about potential uh, crop issues here in the U.S. And you add into that, basically, China is the driver behind all of this global demand. And, and we just continue to look at a, a, a demand profile from China that, that will support prices for some time. And, and then the ugly, well, again, there are many things that might fit into this category, but the ugly topic for me might be, uh, it's been brewing for a while with US production agriculture, we incurred a trade war um, and then a pandemic and the amount of money uh, that has been injected into the ag economy is, is almost mind numbing. And although it's been incredibly helpful to get producers through a challenging time, what, what happens now? And how do we create an ag economy uh, in the current environment that's sustainable over time? Uh, the payouts won't continue um, because they can't. And so how do we get back to a, a balance of economic growth in agriculture. Very good. Uh, amazing, amazing explanation there, uh, Dave. Uh, Mike, anything to, to add? Well, let me recap. Um, Dave talked about supply, cutout, markets, input costs, brought up the C word in China, trade war and pandemic. And you'd think there's enough just in that. And so, uh, Great points and all critical points to our business and agriculture as a whole. But when I look at the good, I would first say um, we look at the balance sheets. And ironically, when you go out and visit with today's financial institutions that we get the opportunity to do um, from time to time and you survey them, 
for the most part, they will say the balance sheets at the end of calendar year 2020 are as strong, if not stronger, than 2019. So was there some influence with some gov government support through PPP? Yes. But there's also support from the ability to hedge and mitigate risk, as well as decent production, maybe in a year when we didn't need all that production, but some wherewithal to achieve a balance sheet that, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, was in pretty good shape. When you look at the bad, and I come from the Packers side of it with Smithfield and Cargill before that, and and in my 35 years, I'll use one, two words, however you want to put it, but force majeure. Who would have ever thought, and we've all signed agreements in the past, and that's always been in there, but to the first time truly been enacted. It started in China with who they were buying supply from, and then you got into April and May, and, and we saw a few packers here in the U.S. that utilized that part of the agreement to say, we can't run these plants at the capacity we need to get all these pigs harvested. Was it, it was really coming down to a last straw as you were a packer. And their goal was to harvest every pig that was out there that was, was forward. And as Dave talked about, the market was there, the, the opportunity, whether domestic, we've seen grown domestic markets and the exports were growing. We were coming out of a great fourth quarter of 2019 that was growing into the January, February, and we knew the market was there and the Packers knew it. But it was a last straw. It was their way to say, we're going to honor the price, but we, we just don't know how well we're going to run during this pandemic. So that would be the bad. And the ugly, as I look as we go into this next year, and I don't know, um, I do have some concerns that we just we possibly as an industry haven't liquidated enough sows to right-size the industry to the opportunities down the road. And I, when I say that, I mean domestically and export. And we know China's been a great market. We know Mexico and Japan has been flourishing here of late. But, you know, the uncertain to how, how fast is China growing back into the market themselves and long term, we have to know their goal is to be self-sufficient. And so concerns that, you know, we, we saw a good liquidation going into the September hogs and pigs, a little bit into the December. I just don't think we're right sized yet enough to uh, position ourselves to handle those ebb and flows. And then, the you know, the dark one sitting in the closet right now is Prop 12. You know, middle of March, we are breeding pigs to meet that Prop 12. Is California ready for it? That's probably another subject matter for you, Marcio, down the road. But um, it is getting a lot of talking points over the last probably 45 days. Very, very interesting. And you mentioned, both of you mentioned a little bit on China. <clears throat> Uh, any, anything else to add there uh, when it comes to exports or, or demand or you're good there? Well, I, I'll first add from, from a standpoint with China to further define maybe the entire picture. 
what would happen to our inventory numbers here in the U.S. if we were to see 16 to 18 months of an average $350 per head net profit? How much expansion would and growth to our herd would and in our industry would we see here? So that's where China has been for the past year and a half. So what's the impact been to their herd growth? We've, we've all seen the pictures of the, the pig cities and um, we've recently received data from China regarding how, how their herd has grown. Uh, and we can argue the numbers all we want. It's just amazing what the incentive to produce can do. Uh, so I, I, I think, like I say, we can argue the numbers, but the reality is we're seeing growth in their industry. Um, I think there are many challenges ahead for them. Um, be it disease and, and production efficiencies. We, we know that potentially uh, 50% of, of the sow herd is, is market guilt, and that will continue to be a uh, production uh, issue for them. But I think that's based on our terms of what we would see as what good performance is. And they're, they're used to a pretty high mortality rate over there and, and add any inefficiencies for uh, half the, the uh, sow herd. And, and it doesn't really matter to them. Um, they're just focused on getting hogs to market to take advantage of those uh, profits. So to answer the question of production, uh, they are growing their production. What's that mean to their uh, demand for pork? Um, I, I think price in China right now, we've seen pork prices that are at record values, not, not uh, record high prices, but record values for this time of year for pork, uh, for wean pigs, and their, their hog prices are, are just 40 RMB below where the, the record values from last year. So they're still very high, and that tells me that they've still got a, a tight supply, and they will for some time to go. Um, so I think at least for, for the first half of 2021 and, and into the latter half, we'll, we'll continue to see strong exports uh, of U.S. pork, but we're going to see a, a smaller uh, or a reduction to the exports that we've seen in the past. Mike, anything to add there? Yeah, the only thing I would add, uh, you know, we had a very strong export market last year. China was a big part of it uh, with year-over-year gains. As we move forward, and uh, we we work closely with Brett Stewart with Global um, Strategies that, you know, when he looks at his business and looks at the model along with Dr. Meyer, you know, right now we'd say China's probably going to be down a couple percent with what we know today moving forward. Um, what we don't hear a lot about is we see all, as Dave talked, the pig cities that they're building and the growth that they have, and they've got facilities that are sitting empty because they can't get the gilts. And why the, you know, every genetic supplier in the world is trying to supply female genetics, and plus they're taking off-cross out of their market gilts into systems but as we move forward, um, ASF is talked about a lot less over there. But some news just came out here today, yesterday, about some new variants to the ASF that might be concerning to China. So does that provide some opportunities or uncertainties truly where China is going with their production? They are going to keep becoming more self-sufficient every day, every week, every year. 
we have to be aware of that. Um, I guess what um, uh, makes me feel good in this under this new administration of a few areas with Secretary of Ag or uh, who we think will be uh, voted in pretty easily, Bill Sack, uh, an Iowa boy who has what we would say some conservative uh, viewpoints and have already said that they plan on keeping some of the previous administration areas in place. So um, I think we need to be pretty strong with our views and thoughts and where we're going uh, as it pertains to China. And I hear some good things of the current administration and um, and hope they, they talk up to it. So um, there is some concern. So moving forward. Very good, Mike. Um, Dave, you know, if you look at the current course and, and what happened in 2020, uh, do you think we are, you know, we are back to normal or, or what's, what can we expect? Well, I'm going to say that uh, obviously with what's going on in our grain markets right now, uh, that's a whole other uh, level of um, complexity that we're adding into to our uh, hog market. And uh, like I mentioned there before, if we've seen a $24 per head increase in feed costs since August, uh, that that's really going to impact, that gets us back to levels that we saw in 2015, 16, and 18. Uh, and at that time, we did see uh, futures, lean futures in the uh, upper 80s to lower 90s. So it's kind of a similar similar profile. The, the good thing is, is that we've seen a strong forward curve in, in the hogs. We saw new contract highs uh, today in April through December contracts, and that continues to give us a strong forward profile uh, for profitability. So, you know, I, I, I think to say that, um, well, it's definitely different than, than we've seen. Um, I think we've the time of the year where we're now looking at at the uh, forward curve into the summer period where we see strong profitability. Uh, we've got some health challenges here in the U.S. right now that potentially are going to kind of limit numbers when it comes to summer. So all those things, I think, are being added into a forward uh, revenue profile that uh, is is optimistic, at least coming into 2021. Very good. Mike, anything to add? Yeah, you know, you look at staying the course and I'll, I'll talk more from a supply standpoint. And when I break down um, the United States, I look at it as three sections. You've got the East Coast, which is primarily the three Smithfield plants and those producers, along with Smithfield's production there. You've got the Eastern Corn Belt and then you've got the Western Corn Corn Belt. I don't. It's no secrets out there. I think the East Coast still have some pigs backlogged, and we're probably. But I think it's getting close to a manageable uh, position as they move into probably April, May, and be able to clean that up. So that's the good thing. I think here in the mid, uh, the Western Corn Belt and the Eastern Corn Belt, we're in pretty good shape. I, I I'm almost scared to say, maybe to a point that um, you know some hogs are cleaned up enough that we're holding a few pigs back. Um, there's some tendencies in the market that might be showing a little bit of that. So, but we've got to also look at in 2020 
and you look at the first half of the year and really March through the first half and the Packers through force majeure, they ran every Saturday they can. It was about getting pigs harvested at whatever rate they can, at whatever capacity rate. And then the second half, as that capacity built back up in who would have thought now we're, we're, we're basically 97, 98% of our current capacity and been able to meet it. You take away the normal winter snowstorms. Uh, and we had a two week period that was the worst timing to have holidays on back to back Fridays. And we've kind of come out of that with the holidays and the winter weather issues kind of unscathed, but um, the Packers did a phenomenal job when you look at our Saturday run rate and our volume on Saturdays versus previous years. But this next year, I think you're going to see the packing community manage their margin a little closer and their costs have gone up. You know, nobody can contest that with everything that's had to be done during the pandemic and uh, appreciate all they did to get it to where it is. But I think you're going to see as we clean this supply up and if we see some pressure on price to cut out that these Packers keep an eye on the Saturday um, harvest schedule, because I think these Packers are probably going to bring um, the game back into their fold and try to manage that margin a little closer as we move forward. Very, very interesting there, Mike. And one thing that I forgot to say before here, and I'm sure you guys will appreciate that, is a little disclaimer, right? That, um, you know, the, there's no trade advice here. Uh, anything else here, Dave or Mike, you want to add to that? Yeah, um, exactly that. Uh, okay. I'm not a licensed trader, uh, and anything that I might say and that they might insinuate was a trade. They're on their own. And I'll voice the same. I, I am not licensed as well. And anything mentioned here is is simply for uh, estimation purposes. And that's awesome. my disclaimer. Very good. Thank you both. And if we look at, uh, if we dig a little, a little deeper here on the ingredient pricing and futures and look at corn and, and soy prices uh, from the last year uh, and also, yeah, uh, current prices and what the future is looking any other comments you want to add there, I guess, Dave? Well, and, and as I look uh, and you utilize uh, Pig Flash, um, what I line it up to right now is the CME index. And there's a lot of different cash agreements out there. And so I choose the CME index as kind of a middle of the road. And with the CME publishing that on a two-day average, uh, that's where I kind of line things up um, when, I, when I publish the newsletter. So that right now gives us a $14 to a $16 per head loss for pigs coming together in this 30-day period. Um, what we have seen is just a few short weeks ago, uh, we were not seeing profitability come into the market until maybe April, May. And now with what we've seen happen in the forward futures, we're seeing profitability, at least from an estimation standpoint, come into the February period. And we've seen average um, per head monthly averages for the next 12 months go from a break even uh, right around the start of the year to now being anywhere from uh, five to $15 per head profit. Again, these are estimations based on a CME index 
and the uh, three-year CME index basis uh, that I use would be a, a three-year uh, average of the CME index to futures. And then that basis is what I plug into the model. It's actually improved quite a bit over the last uh, two, three weeks. Very good. Anything there, Mike? Yeah, I mean, Dave's got a great model that he puts out for a lot of people to review. And, and it is that a model with some assumptions. And we do have some inputs in front of us. We thought we were going to get a break last Friday and maybe carry over into uh, Monday, Tuesday. And the markets have showed us it did quite the opposite and quite a bit of activity the last two days. So I think that's going to weigh on it. You know, as Dave mentioned, you get into the summer futures, there's some phenomenal opportunities out there to leg in, hedge some future marketings. And one thing that we in the U.S. sometimes forget, and uh, it's been a big focus as we talked about it in China, you know, we are still one morning away from waking up and having ASF here in the U.S. And you got to keep that in the back of your mind as you're looking. And there's some strong systems out there that can withstand it, but it would be devastating to the U.S. with what we came out of, what opportunity we have. And, you know, I've said it before um, in my previous life, uh, um, before joining uh, Joe's team here, but, um, you know, just because of that uncertainty, there's no reason the market's giving you opportunity by somebody who's not at least somewhere in that 35 to 50% hedged, you know, six, seven months out. And the markets are giving that to you right now. And I think they'll give you some little more opportunities down the road. So, and then the last thing I'll say, I think with grains, I think we're going to see average weights reduce themselves. So that could be support to the cut out as we move forward. As you get into the summer, weights will drop as they look at grain allocation into their business unit and how far they can stretch if they've got some grains hedged already, you know, will they maybe get a little more conservative on they're, they're selling weights. Time will tell, but I think we'll see some of that trend uh, versus a year ago. And it'll be easy versus a year ago because, you know, we couldn't get all the pigs in, but uh, we'll see weights trend lower. And Marcy, I'll, I'll add in one thing, some great thoughts there from Mike, but I also want to emphasize that, you know, we talk a lot about the market and the opportunity out ahead of us and, and what we can do to uh, potentially uh, protect some of those uh, profits. In using pig flash, one of the things that we try to do is look at things other than uh, directly related to the market. Uh, so for example, how about supplier scrutiny? And all ingredients aren't the same. For example, all corn or all soy meal isn't the same. We're able to measure ingredient samples from different suppliers and accurately determine which suppliers are providing the most nutrients for the best price, uh, which can save a significant amount of uh, money over time. Um, a combined analysis for uh, your individual feed ingredients can add up to big cost savings and in some cases mean as much as maybe one to $2 per head cost savings. So, um, and how about matching formulation with the forward price projections? Uh, with these futures rallies, we're operating under a, a basic assumption of matching the average daily gain and cost of feed for six months into the future. Uh, and by regularly adjusting feed budgets and reformulating, say every two weeks or even every week, 
this exercise can help match costs now to the expected profit in the future. So when markets are making large moves every week and you're only reformulating maybe monthly or, or less than that, you're leaving, you're leaving some opportunity on the table. So those are some other areas uh, rather than something attached straight to the market that uh, our teams are doing to work with producers and, and, and finding, finding those uh, increases in profitability. Very, very good. Great, great comments there, Dave and Mike. And anything else here, if we look at uh, how can producers adjust to maximize or protect profitability, your animation, you know, hedging, um, the formulation that you just mentioned, Dave, anything else that comes to mind at all? I might just throw in one of the comments you had um, earlier, Marcel, was or um, to maybe discuss was, you know, lessons learned from the past. And, and although I said the force majeure was a bad thing, I wholeheartedly say the packing industry truly did not want to enact that part of the agreement. But a lesson learned was those producers who market to just one packer has been brought up that, you know, maybe I shouldn't have all my eggs in one basket because those who had supply that was being marketed to um, multiple, at least two different uh, business arrangements with their packer groups, um, you know, fared well, especially if you were in a region or geography that got hit a lot worse than others. And so I think when you, you look at your business plan, you move forward and say, I understand the logistics part of here's where my pigs are and I'm close to XYZ packer. I get that. But if it's 40 miles further and you can send him a load or two a week and your, your favored packer gets the bulk of the rest, might not be a bad business decision overall. Right. Sometimes uh, a business with one customer can be tricky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good. Anything there, Dave, to add as you look at uh, 2020 lessons learned? I think uh, not being proactive. Uh, one of, uh, you know, we still continue to hear people on a week to week basis that uh, ask if it's time to do something. And I, I think being proactive and, and working with your teams, whether it be on the risk side or whether it be on the nutrition side, continue to be uh, proactive and, and turning over every rock that you possibly can uh, in your business to understand just where you can make those little adjustments. It's a lot of little adjustments uh, and, and just continue to uh, be, be uh, proactive. Very, very good. Now, uh, Mike, question for you and then Dave, on, um, if you could, what would you write on a billboard uh, to everyone around the globe to see? Well, uh, interesting. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, um, Joe had his management team together and we were talking about the business and where the business is going and Joe always has these phenomenal phrases that just comes to his mind. And he brought up, and I think we can use it whether it's in our business, but really in today's world as we look at our families and our lives and, and work also. He said, we provide opportunity to thrive, but it's up to you to take the next steps. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a lot behind that. You know, as parents to our kids, as businesses to our colleagues and those who want to grow personally and professionally. So there's there's my thought um, and uh, graciously, more graciously said by Joe Kearns. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Very, very good one. Dave, any, what, what do you have in mind there? Well, I, I don't have a, a corporate type statement, but um, on a billboard, I'd have to say, and, and this just is something I've always wanted to put up there, eat more pork. It's the other steak. And I know Mike's a connoisseur of pork himself, and, and uh, I think we've, we've done well over the past couple of years to um, help people get the correct cooking temperature to pork. Um, but I, uh, it's hard to beat uh, a nice thick cut pork chop. So I'd have to say eat pork. It's the other steak. Or Mike uh, said that I could borrow his hashtag, uh, hashtag put more pork on your fork. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Does it? Yeah, great one. Great one. Uh, very good. Um, Dave, Mike, uh, anything else here before we wrap up? want to thank you and thank Mike for participating today. Um, I really uh, appreciate your Swine It uh, podcast and what that does for the industry. Um, and I just uh, thank uh, you for, for allowing us to participate today. I appreciate your time. Yeah. So the only thing, Marshall, back to you. Thank you for the opportunity. But for me, I thank Dave and the Provivian team to think of myself to try to add a little bit of value uh, to this podcast. And uh, so, Dave, to you and the Provimi family, thank you for the opportunity. Marcio, for all that you've been doing and what you're trying to do to support and make sure we're aware of everything that's going on in agriculture. Appreciate it from your thank, standpoint. Thank you so much, both. That that means a lot to, to me and to, to our team. So, yeah, we 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 will be in touch here. Thank you. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact by bringing from hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of swine nutrition on this seven week long elite online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding. It's conducted by myself, Dr. Marcio Gonçalves, and my world-class invited speakers. Additionally, you enjoy an exclusive community to exchange ideas. Go now to www.eliteswinenutritionist.com.